Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and we want to welcome you to Crosspoint. Uh, just a little uh, Crosspoint family news to share with you, uh, to be praying for. Uh, Joanna Heinrichsen, uh, her mom passed away this last week. Uh, visitation is uh, Wednesday from 4 to 7 here in Eureka at the funeral home, and then uh, funeral is on uh, 10 o'clock at Eureka Christian Church on Thursday. So if you could just be praying for her family and them as they walk through this, uh, I would really appreciate that. Uh, today we're in week four of our series called Soul Detox, Clean Living in a Contaminated World as a little tagline. Uh, last week we looked at these verses from the book of First Peter. These words are written to those who are followers or believers in Jesus. It says this, First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 11. <clears throat> Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So, as disciples of Jesus, we are following him. He is our teacher. We are his students. So, our lives are to look more and more like the teacher's life. This series is going after uh, those sinful desires, as verse 11 calls them, that wage war against our souls. Areas that are often hindering our full devotion to Christ or are a poor reflection to the people around us, to the world around us. And, and you see some of those areas talked about earlier in First Peter. It's helpful that as you read Scripture, as you read the Bible, you see the context around verses to help bring some understanding to what's going on or what the major theme is being talked about. So when you're reading your Bible, you don't just settle for one verse, but you read the whole chapter that is around it. You, you pray and ask the Lord before you read it, Lord, teach me from your word, encourage me, Correct me, remind me, help me to understand and be changed by it. John sixteen thirteen tells us that part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us toward the truth. So we pray and ask the Spirit to do just that as we open our Bibles uh, on a regular basis. So with that thought in mind, with the thought of context in mind, listen to some of these verses prior to the ones that we just read in chapter 2. They're along the same lines of how, of how our actions and attitudes of a follower of Jesus are to reflect him and not the world. First uh, Peter one fourteen through sixteen. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, "Be holy, because I am holy." So before you knew Jesus, we lived for ourselves. We were the kings. We were the lords of our lives. But now, as God's children, after being adopted into the family of God through Christ. John 1.12, we are to honor and live for our Father. Our allegiance has shifted from us to Him. Uh, listen to 1 Peter 2.1, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Five big areas of sin, all beginning in our hearts that wage war against our souls. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. So if we are to have a soul detox, so to speak, we must disregard and turn from these patterns of living that can creep into our lives. Listen to 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. As believers in Christ, we are not walking in darkness, but in the light of Christ. In Jesus, through the cross, 
Through sacrifice, we have been shown great mercy. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 speaks of that. So then out of that context, we landed on this, on this verse in uh, verse 11 in chapter 2 that urges and encourages us to reject the sinful desires that wage war against our souls. In this series, we've looked at uh, toxic uh, words, toxic fear, toxic relationships. This series then aligns what's being talked about on Sunday mornings with what we talk about and study and wrestle together in community groups uh, together. I know the community group that we're, we're attending right now, we've loved the conversation. The conversation has been authentic, and, and I feel like it's been appropriate and uh, just appropriate in us becoming more like Jesus. And, and, I, and I pray that that conversation in, in your community groups has been a good, uh, effective, fruitful for your walks with Christ. We've been looking at things in our lives that are toxic by nature. Toxic meaning things that, are, that contain poison or that they are poisonous. Toxic things can, can cause sickness, even death. And today we're going to look at toxic thoughts or septic thoughts, as the message title says. Uh, some pastor confession for you today. This series has been timely for my own heart. The Holy Spirit has been lovingly exposing some things in my heart to His grace and truth. For example, in the week on fear, uh, revealing some areas where I'm prone to trust in the what-ifs rather than in, in the truth of who God is. Maybe you have in your head the, this picture that, that the pastor, uh, the minister, the reverend, whatever you want to call me, um, this pastor is kind of on this pedestal of, called near perfection. All right? If I was on a pedestal, that would be the words in front of my pedestal. Well, I try to dispel that just about every Sunday. All right? And I could dispel it for you the other six days of the week too if you uh, were living life with me. Just like you, I'm trying to make continual progress in Christ by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I sure honestly like that because I want you to do the same. I want us as a church to reject this notion that when we gather, whether on Sunday mornings or in community groups or elsewhere, that we put on this false image of who we truly, truly are. We just kind of clean up the act because it's 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday and, okay, here we go. Here come the smiles and the handshakes and the hugs, and everything's great, and everything's fine, all right? I'm trying to reject, we need to reject that as a church. Continue to do that, especially as we grow. Instead, strive to be authentic so that God can do work, and we will be humble before that. Because the gospel's central. That doesn't mean we earn our salvation, or that we're about our own righteousness. It's not about you and me. Therefore, my pride is not on the line when I share Because I know his grace is sufficient that my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So that his name might be lifted up. And today's subject matter is no different. In my life, I have found that sometimes I replay those thoughts, those toxic thoughts in my mind rather than truth. Maybe you can relate. You might have this, these negative thoughts kind of burned on the hard drive of your minds. Uh, they, they kind of play over and over. It's like your iPod stuck in replay, replay, all right? It's just on and on it goes. It says, I'm going to look stupid when I get in front of them. God, God could never love me. I've done way too much for God to still love me. My life is not going to get better. It's only going downhill from here. God won't come through for me. Clearly, I'm worthless and I have no value. No matter how hard I try, I won't make a difference. I'll never overcome this hurt or habit in my life. I can't imagine that the situation will get any better. Maybe some of those ring true to you. Or you can immediately think of others 
that you kind of tend to dwell on or replay in your mind and kind of focused on what's happened in the past. And at the end of the day, if we dwell on, on lies or negative thoughts, we become a negative person. Our hearts will be prone to deceive us, Jeremiah 17, 9. And our actions and attitudes will become more based on lies than truth. You know, you know the cliche, the, the, it's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts. I thought about getting you flowers, honey, but I ran out of time. It's a thought that counts, right? Good luck with that one. I thought about sending you an encouraging card or email, and I, I didn't make time to do it, but, but I thought about it. It's a thought that counts. Well, in this situation, in relation to our toxic words, it's truly the thought that counts. Similar to the past weeks of Soul Detox, we're going to look at first identifying these toxic thoughts to recognize them, move them into the light of God's Word and God's truth, and call them what they are, that they are toxic, poisonous thoughts to our life and faith. What are the thoughts that we, that we have that are actually inconsistent with Scripture? And then what's the truth that speaks into those lies? We've been looking at this verse throughout the series, Proverbs 4.23, which says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. We need to guard our hearts from receiving or, or speaking toxic words. That was week one. We need to guard our hearts from toxic fears, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. Week two. We need to guard our hearts from toxic relationships that hinder our growth in Christ, week three. And now today we need to be reminded to carefully guard our hearts, our minds from toxic thoughts. Whenever there is something that tries to get into our brain that's inconsistent with God's truth, we're going to guard our thoughts because our thoughts drive our actions, they drive our attitudes, they drive what we say and what we do. Rather than meditating on anything that's contrary to God's word, we're going to stop and guard our minds. Second Corinthians ten four and 5 speaks to this. It says this, uh, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. I mean, there's this continual battle for the control of our hearts and minds. This battle is, is spirit versus flesh. We don't, vi- we don't fight with worldly weapons, but rather with spiritual weapons, such as prayer and opening uh, God's living and active word. And then that verse goes on and says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. From the Greek word that's translated as power there, we get the word dynamite. Divine power meaning the explosive power of God. And this explosive power is used to demolish what? It's used to demolish strongholds. And from the Greek word that we get the word stronghold, you get the idea of a prisoner locked in by deception. A prisoner locked in by deception. Toxic thoughts can be a stronghold. Our devotion and love for Jesus can be impacted by being locked in by a deception of lies. And some of you are there today. You are locked in a prison of lies, and I pray that today the explosive power of God breaks through and demolishes, demolishes these strongholds. Then verse 5, we demolish, strong, or we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The Apostle Paul is writing these verses and I love the use of the, the military terms and analogies. Those in the military, they're always ready, always prepared, always trained. That analogy shows up elsewhere in Scripture. We are told to be on our guard and stand firm, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, to daily put on the full armor of God because a spiritual battle 
is continually taking place. Ephesians 6. So in relation to thoughts, the words here in 2 Corinthians are not passive, but they're active. They're battle-like. We're going to take captive, hold hostage, lock up, throw away the key, every thought to make it obedient in alignment with Christ and His truth. We're going to carefully guard our minds. If there's anything not pleasing to God, we're going to reject it. We're going to take our thoughts captive. Do you see the contrast that's being made in these verses? Instead of being locked up or held by our, talk, our toxic thoughts, we will instead lock up our thoughts. By doing so, we will be set free to serve, love, worship Jesus fully, holding nothing back. Anything that's inconsistent with God's word, we take it captive. We, we actively make it obedient to Christ. We're not going to replay the old playlists that are, that are not true. We're not going to think on or abide in the lies. Instead, we will focus on the truth. Craig Rochelle, the author of Soul Detox and the pastor of Life Church, where this series idea comes from, he puts our septic thoughts into four categories. So once, once again, we're going to work through these areas like we have in weeks past, uh, being open to the Holy Spirit and how He wants to identify these potential toxic, these septic thoughts that we might have in our lives because we first have to identify what the sickness is before we can talk about the remedy or the antidote to that sickness. And the first one is this, pessimism, pessimism or negative thoughts. Uh, sometimes you have this running audio in your head of, I don't have what it takes, I don't measure up. If something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. Kind of like Eeyore a little bit. I mean, no one appreciates me. It could just be kind of simple, petty things. Like around your family, you're just prone to being a complainer and negative. Please, no elbows this morning, all right? Why, why is this thing broken again? Who drank the last of the milk? Why can't you pick up your clothes? Why can't you do this? And your child comes home with six A's and one C, and you skip right over those six A's, and you jump all over that C. If you're a parent, we need to be very careful and cautious that we are not inadvertently creating this culture in our homes that sings, my hope is in you. My jo- you are my joy. You are my joy. You are my joy on a Sunday. But then the other six days of the week, our attitudes are hopeless and joyless. Out of the feedback, uh, another idea, out of the feedback you get uh, at, at your job or at school, you get one negative you get five or six positives, but that you get that one negative and that just kind of becomes dominant. It creates this cloud, the fog, over the rest of that evaluation, the rest of that conversation that you had. So be, be, be real honest. How many of you would say that you are prone to negative or toxic thoughts? Is this a blind spot in your life? Maybe it's not a blind spot. You're fully aware it's in your life and you have yet to... Surrender it to Jesus and His authority. Is this a vulnerable place that you need to guard your minds, guard your thoughts against this area? So pessimism or negative thoughts, the next category is anxious or fearful thoughts. It's so easy to worry today, is it not? Some of our worry is generational sin. Like, well, Grandma worried, my mom worried, and I worry too or we just see all this growing up, or we see it currently in our homes. When we worry, it's bad for our health. In fact, the English word worry derives from the German word uh, vergen, 
which literally means to uh, strangle, constrict, or choke. That sounds a lot like worry feels, does it not? Worry can absolutely strangle the life out of you. We worry about the economy or being able to find a job or we worry about our kids getting older and will they walk in the truth. We worry about our parents getting older or we, we play the what-if games. Well, what if this happens? Then what? What if that occurs? What will we do then? And all the while, the what-if has never even taken place. It's never even occurred. It's simply an imaginary game that our minds want to play. Our thoughts have taken us captive in the meantime rather than the other way around rather than us taking our thoughts captive and locking them away. So some of us worry even when there's nothing to worry about because we are worried that something might happen, like things are going really good right now, something's bound to go wrong, and we begin to worry about it. Or you hear that worry is bad for your health, and now you, you are worried about that right now. All right, Some of you are like, really? I've got to look that up. WebMD, worry. I mean, please don't do that. All right. Sometimes the media just promotes a spirit of fear, or worry. The sensational headline. If you, if you take a step back, if you take a step back, the sensational headline that'll cause you to click on it, like, oh, oh the sky's falling over in China? What? All right. I better click on that or I better stay tuned and watch that segment. It might be a very healthy, healthy thing for some of you to fast this week, to take a break this week from cable news or particular websites that play off of the worry and fear card. I'm not saying stick your head in the sand, but what are we abiding in at the end of the day? Fear, anxiety, worry, or trust, faith, who our God is, always has been, always will be, that our God has the final say, and I've read the end of the book. Have you? I've read the end of the book. God has the final say. God comes out and God's people come out victorious. How many of you might say that you're prone to worry and fear? That those toxic thoughts often have taken your minds captive. The, ne- the next category is bitter or discontented thoughts. I don't like my body. I don't like the way I look. I'm, I'm not attractive. I can't be happy unless I'm dating someone. I can't be happy unless I'm married. Oh, I married the wrong person. I wish my husband was more like that guy, more of a spiritual leader, a better provider. I wish my wife wouldn't nag me all the time. Nag, nag, nag. I mean, I wish we had kids. I wish we had different kids. These kids are driving me crazy. You laugh because it might have crossed your mind. I mean, I, I wish I had a better job, a bigger house, a nicer car. I wish I had more money. I wish I had that toy. I wish I had that kind of vacation. And unless I get it, I won't be happy. Nothing's ever really good enough for us. Our thoughts go to what we don't have or what we lack or what we wish we had, whether whether it be materially or relationally or something else. Uh, The the glass is half empty and it's evaporating and it's leaking. All right, that's kind of what we think about it. Rather than being thankful for what the glass already contains, Once again, a very easy jail cell for our thoughts to fall into, especially in the culture that we live in, that continually lures us with this simple yet deceitful invitation of, you need more. If you want to be happy, you need more. More 
More what? I mean, all sorts of ideas there. Just continually saying, you need more. And then you'll be happy. And then you get there. And then it keeps saying, well, you need more. And we keep chasing after these different things. Some of us, if we're honest, that rings true to us. This uh, being prone to discontent or ungrateful. The last category is critical thoughts. We see somebody and we are like, I would never do that. I mean, who does he think he is? Can, can you believe the way she dresses? Can you believe they bought that? I don't like those people, that place. You walk into work and you're kind of quick to just have this critical spirit like, this place would fall apart with, if it wasn't for me. Because you have a critical thought against your boss, your boss's boss, your co-workers. Or if you're a parent, you bring that critical nature toward your children rarely encouraging them for what's good and often criticizing them for the bad. You know, more or less we say, uh, we wouldn't say this, but this is what we say when we kind of focus on the bad versus the good. We say, you fell short, you fell short, you fell short, fell short, fell short, fell short. And we point out all the ways that they fall short. And we rarely talk about how they've been accepted and loved. And they're loved unconditionally. And they're received. They're not rejected. There's a vast difference. One sounds a lot like the gospel, and one doesn't. One sounds a lot like the law. So as parents, what kind of culture are we creating? I'm not saying as a parent that we don't discipline or correct our children when they are wrong. You can ask our kids. They would say that that happens in our home. Our Heavenly Father does that for His children, Hebrews 12. So as parents, we are to reflect that. But if all we do is point out what's wrong and rarely what's right, we are flat out missing the boat when it comes to being like Jesus, full of grace and truth as a parent. It'd be a healthy question to ask your child, your children this week, especially if they're older, especially if they're listening to this message, to ask them, am I overly critical toward you? Are you hearing me just point out what's wrong rather than what's right. If, if my words to you were this pie, how much of this pie would be bent toward where you fall short versus how you are received and loved? And then, don't like sit down when you ask this question, and then don't talk when they begin to talk. Because some of your kids, if you're overly critical, they will be fearful of saying anything honest. But just say Just ask that question and then be okay with hearing truth and having an honest conversation about where God might actually be trying to change your heart to cause correction in your heart to look more like the Father's heart. Sometimes we bring that critical spirit into the church and we look more like an Israelite than we do Jesus. I don't like the music. It's too loud. It's too fast. It's too slow. I don't like the coffee, the temperature, the way that's done, how decisions are made. I don't like the preaching. It needs to be more of this or less of that. Or we bring a a critical spirit into our marriages and our spouse just kind of sits under this weight of never being good enough or measuring up to our expectations. In the end, critical thoughts often rob us of the joy and delight that we are to find in the Lord and His eternal goodness. So would you say that you 
can be taken captive by critical thoughts. If so, just like the others, we must guard our, our hearts. The battles often won or lost in the mind. If we want to find something wrong or negative about a person, a place, a situation, we can do it, can't we? I mean, I know I can. But we have a choice to make, a choice to reject the toxic or septic thought and instead embrace or meditate on the truth. If we want to be discontented, it's very easily to, easily, uh, to be discontented. Or we can, look and say, we can look and say, Lord, thank you for what you've given me and, and walk in a heart of gratefulness. We're going to find what we're looking for. Uh, Groeschel compares it to the difference between a hummingbird and a vulture. A hummingbird, day after day, it's after what? Nectar or sweet things. I'm not a science major, but that's what I understand it to be. What's a vulture do? It's after dead things, day after day. Because you will find what you will look for. You can find sweet things. You can find things that build your faith, where you find hope and truth. Or you can find things to worry about and sink, sink into fear with. Even though God has not given us the spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7, you will find what you are looking for. So has this Holy Spirit brought anything to your mind or heart? Are you prone to being taken captive by some of these areas, some of these septic thoughts? My hope is that even beyond today's service, that we remain open to the Holy Spirit's work and that we identify the lies that are running through our minds that, and reject them saying, I'm, I'm not going to let those lies take me captive or influence what I believe or who I'm becoming. Instead, I'm going to replace those lies with the truth found in God's word and let that be what I meditate on and run through my mind. Philippians is, uh, is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It has a continual theme of joy running through it in all sorts of different ways. In chapter 4, we get challenged in regards to our thoughts and minds. Philippians 4, verses 7 and 8 says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So our thoughts are to be on things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. What a list of descriptors right there. We are to meditate on those thoughts, let our minds soak in that truth marinade. I mean, those are the ingredients of the marinade that our thoughts and our minds should soak in. Let those thoughts capture us, lead us to hearts and minds that are changed by the divine explosive power of God. So that septic thought playlist gets going in our heads And we have this fake conversation going in our minds or the replaying of some unbiblical self-talk. And we say, no, no, that's a lie. That thought needs to be taken captive. It needs to be locked away. We're not passive to it. We enter into the battle of it. We we think on truth instead, meditate on truth. We, We may not even be sure we believe that truth yet because that lie just kind of is sitting in the background rolling in our minds. But we're going to believe the truth. We're going to walk as if we believe it. We're going to think on these things. Now, in order to think on these things, you and I are going to have to know Scripture. And if you have yet to start doing the soul detox reading plan, that'd be a great first start. It's just daily over the next 35 days, five, seven weeks, you just begin to know God's Word. 
you begin to read it on a consistent basis if you're not already. That may mean uh, initially to know God's Word, you, you literally have to write down the truth from God's Word, stick it on a 3 by 5 card or something else that's going to be in front of you and, and begin when the toxic thoughts uh, enter your mind, you identify it as that, you reject it, and then you replace it with truth. And the more we do that, the more we win the battle in our minds and the thought life, the more we gain ground in having a soul detox and find freedom in Christ. Galatians 5.1 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. One form or way that sin enslaves us is when we allow toxic thoughts or to control or dictate our actions. In Christ, though, we can find freedom. We have been set free through the gospel, set free to love and serve and worship with everything we have, holding nothing back. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, knowing that today's message was coming up, I've really wrestled a lot with what does this practically look like? What does applying 2 Corinthians 10.5 look like in daily life? What does it look like to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ? Oftentimes we hear truth and, and we say, yes, great, I agree, but how? How do I do that? When the playlist is rolling in your head, how can we practically take that septic thought captive, lock it up, throw away the key, and insert the truth over that lie? I believe we do it through the Word of God. I'll share one example from my own life, something uh, I've been trying to do in just the last couple weeks, and then, and then some general ones for you and I to consider. Definitely not the only ones, but uh, I, think, I think they'll hit home for many of us. Uh, there are days I feel overwhelmed in this role. Ministry is demanding. The balancing of both shepherding of people, the oversight of ministry, the keeping up with growth, uh, the labor of preaching and teaching. I have those days where the septic thought comes into my mind, and this is the thought, I'm not sure if I'm up for this calling anymore, Lord. And to that toxic thought, the Holy Spirit reminded me through my wife, which if you're married, your wives are often a vehicle of the Holy Spirit if you are open to it, husbands. The Holy Spirit reminded me through Heather these two verses tucked in Isaiah. Two verses that a, a friend prayed over us at our commissioning. Two verses of truth that speak to the lie that will roll through our brains sometimes. Isaiah 41, 9 and 10 says this, I took you from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So what I've been doing, literally, is in those moments of the lie creeping in, I'm saying sometimes aloud, Isaiah 41, 9 and 10. Rejecting lies and replacing it with truth. And, and some of you might be in that same boat, whether it's at work or school or parenting or another relationship. So maybe for you, those verses of truth are an encouragement to you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So if you see your mind drifting into some area of septic thought, here are some truth reminders that could be 
good to memorize, to keep in front of you, to literally say aloud so, when we t- so, so that we can actually apply 2 Corinthians 10.5 and take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Uh, you might think, I can't make a difference. Reject. Replace with Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. The sin is always going to get the best of me. We reject that. And we replace it with, you are more than a conqueror in Christ. We sang it this morning. Do we believe it? Are we speaking that truth over us? You are more than a conqueror in Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As a believer in Christ, you have inside of you the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. All truths found in Romans 8. If I had more stuff or more of that, I'd be happy. We reject that as a lie. And we replace it with Philippians 4, 12 and 13 and verse 19. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Christ or through Him who gives me the strength. And then skipping to verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The, the lie of, I can't imagine the situation ever getting better. We reject that. And we replace it with James 1, 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Romans 8.28. You should look it up this week and see what it has to say when it comes to trials and how God is working all things for the good of those who love Him. One of the best verses that we could memorize is Romans 12.2. Many of you might have already memorized it. But now we need to be active in speaking it over the toxic thoughts. It's just kind of a a catch-all. There are so many others so many others found in this book. And once again, it'd be too easy for me to list off the next 200. It'd be much more beneficial for your heart and life for you to open the Word and dig into it in community with another friend. I got this, I got this thought. What do you think God's Word has to say about it? And you get into God's Word and you find truth and you begin speaking that truth over it. Romans 12.2 is just kind of a, a general one that catches all sorts of, th- all sorts of things. To reject the lie, replace it with, with the truth. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Renewing meaning a, a renovation to make better than new. The Lord, through His Word, is looking to do an overhaul, a makeover, a revamp of our thoughts. It doesn't happen overnight. I'm sorry, it doesn't. If you've ever been told it does, you've been lied to, all right? Wars are not won in a day, are they? They are won in the little and big battles fought along the way. But over time, after we've strung enough 
victorious battles along, the momentum begins to shift, does it not? The tide begins to turn. And in the case of our thoughts and our minds, the explosive divine power of God demolishes the strongholds that once held us. And instead, we've turned the tables. And those strongholds, those thoughts, are taken captive. And we are no longer taken captive by lies, but instead by truth. And we are set free from the slavery of our sinful thoughts in order that our lives, our minds, our hearts might be freed up to love, serve, and worship Jesus fully, holding nothing back, holding nothing back. Where we truly love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news of Jesus. That through his birth and his life, his death, his resurrection, and one day his return, that through the gospel, we are offered salvation from judgment by grace alone through faith alone. Thank you that we didn't earn our salvation. It's something that we've received as a free gift because we've turned from our sin, we've believed on you as our Lord and Savior, we've confessed you as our Lord and Savior. I pray for those here this morning that that don't know you. I pray they would respond today, that they would not walk out of here without responding to your Holy Spirit's voice in their life, drawing them to you that they would stop trying to earn salvation and they would receive it. They would turn from their way of living. They would repent, as the Bible says. And they would believe on you as their Lord and Savior and begin walking in obedience. I pray that today, in faith, that people would respond to that truth. Lord, Lord, we confess that there are thoughts in our minds that we need to take captive. I do. I confess that. Us as a church confess that. Give us the conviction to do just that this week. Help us to abide in your, in your truth and not in the lies. I pray you as our chief shepherd, your voice would be loud in our lives this week, whether it be through biblical community, through your word, through prayer. I pray we as your sheep, we would hear the shepherd's voice this week. And we'd respond in joy and obedience. Transform us through the renewing of our minds, Lord. We want to do your will. We want to honor and glorify you, not only with our hands and feet, but with our minds, with our thoughts. Give us the explosive power through the Spirit to do just that this week, to demolish the strongholds, to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We love you. We worship you. We declare you are King and Lord, not only over our actions, but over our minds, over our thoughts, over every area of our lives. I thank you that you are relentlessly, because you love us that much, relentlessly chasing after, running down every dark corner of our, of our lives to make it obedient, to bring it in alignment to you as our Lord and our Savior. It's all for your glory, all for your honor. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you that you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a uh, specific toxic thought 
that you're struggling with that you would like to pray with someone about. There will be volunteers here at the front. So my question now is now what? What did you learn? What did God say to you? What will you do with it? Who are you going to share it with? Welcome to the other six days of the week, Crosspoint. Now it's time to live our faith as a way of life, not as a compartment from 10 to 11, but as a way of life. Have a great week. See you next week. God bless.